everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Radium Girls. So today's story, we have um, a true crime episode with Christopher Dunch. So a doctor that um, practiced in Texas, Dallas, Texas for a little while. And we're going to learn about the story about all the malpractice he did and maybe even a few deaths. Mm. Let's get started. Christopher Daniel Dunch was born April 3rd, 1971. He is a former American neurosurgeon who had been nicknamed Dr. Death for gross malpractice resulting in the maiming of several patients' spines and two deaths while working at hospitals in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Dunch was accused of injuring 33 out of 38 patients in less than two years before his license was revoked by the Texas Medical Board. That's a lot of people in a short amount of time. I know. In 2017, he was convicted of maiming one of his patients and sentenced to life imprisonment. Christopher Dunch was born in Montana and spent most of his youth in Memphis, Tennessee. He is a graduate of Evangelical Christian School in the Cordova suburb of Memphis, where he starred in football. Having exhausted his football eligibility, Dunch decided to switch to a career in medicine. Dunch completed his undergraduate degree in 1995, then continued on to an ambitious MD-PhD program. In 2010, he completed the MD-PhD and neurosurgery residency programs at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center and subsequently completed a spine fellowship program at the Simmons Murphy Clinic in Memphis. Dunch completed his residency having participated in fewer than 100 surgeries. Neurosurgery residents participate in over a thousand surgeries in the course of their residencies. So Wait. <laughs> this guy completed less than a hundred surgeries yeah. in his residency, but typically they complete <laughs> at least a thousand. Yeah, at least for neurosurgery. Ooh. That's terrifying. That is terrifying. Who let this who let this happen? Right. Right. Mm-mm. He was suspected of being under the influence of cocaine while operating during his fourth year of residency training and was sent to an impaired physician's program after he refused a drug test before being allowed to return to the residency. Several of his friends recalled him going to work after a night of doing drugs with one of them, saying he would never allow Dunch to operate on him. I don't blame him. No, me either. Mm-mm. Dunch focused on his research for a while, but was recruited from Memphis to join the Minimally Invasive Spine Institute of North Dallas in the summer of 2011. So he was recruited. I wonder if they, like, knew. They couldn't have. Yeah. I don't know how, yeah. like, he he was sent to this um, impaired physician's program. So, why would that not be on his permanent record of some yeah. sort? His permanent medical record, yeah. if they even have that. I think they do have something. I would something think, like yeah. I think they say something in here about something, something. <laughs> A little something, something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> After he arrived in town, he secured a deal with Baylor Regional Medical Center at Plano and was given surgical rights at the hospital. First of all. Remind me never to go there. (laughs) Over the course of two years, Christopher Dunch, a.k.a. Dr. Death, operated on 38 patients in the Dallas area. Of those 38, 31 were left paralyzed, are seriously injured, and two of them died from surgical complications. So, this guy... Has completed 138 surgeries. Yeah. 
And he just, they, they were like, he just, he's all right. He's, you know, they, what? This makes no sense. I feel like they might explain it because I, I don't remember. Because <laughs> he, he went to several different places in Dallas. Through it all, one way that Dunch was able to lure patient after patient under his knife was his extreme confidence. He performed only one surgery with the Minimally Invasive Spine Institute. Dunch was fired after he performed a surgery and immediately left for Las Vegas, leaving no one to look after his patient. Wow. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the patient was probably lucky, honestly. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. He might have been fired from the Institute, but was still a surgeon at Baylor Plano. Early in his tenure at Baylor Plano, Dunch made a poor impression on his fellow surgeons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Veteran vascular surgeon Randall Kirby recalled that Dunch frequently boasted about his abilities despite being so new to the area. Kirby also recalled that Dunch's skills in the operating room left much to be desired. As Kirby put it, he could not wield a scalpel. Doctor couldn't wield a scalpel. And you see this in the operating room. Like, who, why isn't somebody like stepping up and reporting him or something? Mm. Get him out of there. <laughs> Some of his victims include Kenneth Fennell. Kenneth Fennell, the first patient Dunch operated at Baylor Plano, who was left with chronic pain after Dunch operated on the wrong part of his back. Due to the debilitating pain, Fennell later had a second operation by Dunch to relieve it. What? <laughs> Not if the first time didn't oh my work. Gosh. <laughs> uh, he operated on yeah, the wrong part the of his wrong back. Part. And you think he's going to do it right the second time? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't think so, my friend. So after that, he was left significantly paralyzed in his legs. Fennel required months of rehabilitation to be able to walk with a cane and was left unable to walk for more than 30 feet or stand for more than a few minutes without having to sit down again. That's horrible. It is. It's so sad. Mm -hmm. Don't be so scared to get some back surgery. Why would you go back? Right? Like, if just somebody operated on the wrong part of my back, mm -hmm. I will sue your ass. Number First one. First of all, yes. yes. <laughs> and never go back to you again. Mm -hmm. Tell everybody not to go back to you. Yes. Oh, man. man. So another one was Lee Passmore. Passmore underwent surgery for chronic pain that radiated from his lower back down each of his legs. The pain was so severe that he became addicted to opiate painkillers and sought surgery against the advice of his pain management specialist in order to find relief. He experienced chronic pain and limited mobility after Dunch cut a ligament, which was not normally touched during that particular procedure, misplaced hardware in his spine, placed a screw which kept the hardware in place in an incorrect location in his spine, and stripped the threads so it could not be removed. What? Even if Dunch had not stripped the threads, he placed the screw in a location that would have caused Passmore to bleed out if it had been removed. Vascular surgeon Mark Hoyle, who assisted with the operation, later recalled that Dunch seemed oblivious to considerable bleeding. Hoyle became so disturbed by Dunch's actions that at one point he physically restrained him. He later told Dunch to his face that he was dangerous. Dunch's behavior led Hoyle to wonder about his sanity. Wow. That's crazy. Well, he just playing operation over there, like the game. <laughs> yeah, that's terrifying. What the heck? What like my doing? mom's had back surgery. Oh, a couple times maybe. 
And I've seen like pictures. It's really cool. No, I can't do that. I like seeing those. (laughs) I like seeing those kind of pictures. But I could not imagine if that were my mom. Oh yeah, the rage that I would Mm -hmm. feel if you're sitting here and like you put stuff in the wrong place. You cut a limit that a ligament that wasn't even supposed to be touched. Mm -hmm. You not only strip a screw, but put it somewhere that. I can bleed out if you try to remove it. Yeah. So I have to live with it there. Oh, my God. Mm -mm -mm. Imagine, like, going there in there for pain to be fixed, and then you just come out with more pain. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I'd be so pissed. Or paralyzed. Yeah. Mm -mm. Mm-mm. Another victim, Barry Margoloff, the owner of a pool service company, was left with bone fragments in his spinal canal after Dunch tried to pull a damaged disc out of his back with a grabbing tool. He tried to pull this disc. No. Dunch initially refused to give Morgoloff any pain medicine, claiming Morgoloff was a drug seeker. Um, I'd be looking for drugs, too. <laughs> yeah. You're... No. Mm-mm. Mutilating people. Yes. Morgoloff eventually lost most of the function on his left side and required a wheelchair. Kirby assisted with the surgery and recalled that Dunch continued making mistakes even after having the correct anatomy pointed out to him. Wow. (laughs) Wow. So they give you a roadmap, teach you how to read it, but you're still going to go off the trail. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Morgoloff later recalled that he walked out on a follow-up visit with Dunch when Dunch displayed clear signs of being inebriated. Mm-hmm. I would have went to someone. Kelly Martin was a 55-year-old woman who went to Dunch seeking relief from a year of back pain brought on by a bad fall. Dunch severed one of Martin's major arteries but continued operating despite clear signs that Martin was losing massive amounts of blood. He refused to abort the surgery even after a trauma surgeon colleague and an anesthesiologist warned him about the blood loss. He refused to acknowledge anything that was wrong, hindering the ICU team's effort to save her. When Martin awoke from anesthesia, she was screaming and clawing at her legs, forcing the ICU team to re-anesthetize her. Dunch also stayed out in the ICU waiting room, writing notes rather than attending his patient, even after Martin coded. Unfortunately, she bled to death. Uh, imagine you get in surgery, you wake up screaming, and the next thing you know, you're dead. Like, what? Yeah. She woke up, that's her, that was her last thing, screaming and, like, scratching at her legs, mm-hmm. which I wonder why she was doing that. Nerves yeah. or something? I don't know. But that's crazy. Yeah. I bet it was some sort of nerve, because she went in for back pain. Yeah. And he kept going, even though she was losing blood. Oh, no. Mm-mm. That's sad. Oh, I look like a freaking massacre. Yeah, probably. Hmm. Floella Brown went in for a routine cervical fusion, but ended up brain dead after Dunch damaged her vertebral artery during the procedure. She subsequently suffered a stroke and died. <sighs> He's just cutting all kinds of things. <laughs> Don't n- just... Ah, no. God, it just makes my heart hurt for all these people that all of his victims, whether they survived or not, this definitely, if you did survive, probably not the life that you envisioned going yeah. under the knife. Man, there's don't... always risk to every surgery, but he's purposely careless doing ones. it. Yeah, yeah ca- careless, intentional. Yeah. I don't understand those people that like go through all the schooling, like hard schooling to like murder people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like all those other like 
doctors, nurses, and stuff that intentionally harm people. Mm-hmm. Mm. Doesn't make sense. Nope. Mary Eford went to Dunch for a routine spinal fusion surgery, but awoke from the operation barely able to move her legs. She was left paralyzed after Dunch operated on the wrong part of her back, twisted a screw into another nerve, left screw holes on the opposite side of her spine, and left surgical hardware and her soft muscle tissue. Wow. So once again, here we are. He's operating on the wrong side, wrong right. part of her back. He putting knows. a screw somewhere it shouldn't be. Oof. Screw holes. screw holes. I can't imagine that. Holy. Like, it makes me feel sick. <laughs> what? How? Screw holes on your bones? Like, that's gotta hurt. Yeah, it's gotta hurt. Ooh. So Dunch was accused of being intoxicated during that surgery. Wow. Well, that'll do it. That'll do it. (laughs) One of the patients who suffered disastrous consequences was Jerry Summers, a childhood friend of Dunch. Oh, gosh. Another friend who's (laughs) getting got. Mm -mm. In February 2012, he came to Plano to have two neck vertebrae fused. He went under the knife for an elective spinal fusion surgery. When he woke up, he was a quadriplegic with incomplete paralysis. What's incomplete paralysis? I'm about to tell you. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) This means that Summer could still feel pain, but was unable to move from the neck down. That's like the worst. Dang. Mm Mm-hmm. The anesthesiologist who worked on the surgery recalled that Summer's lost about 1,200 milliliters of blood, more than a fifth of his blood volume, and almost 24 times the typical amount of blood loss in a spinal fusion. The nurses and other staff who took part in the surgery fully expected Summers to have a revision surgery, but Dunch refused to do it. I would not want him to redo me. No. Mm -mm. Summers later stated that he and Dunch had used cocaine the night before his surgery. Smart. Wow. That's smart. Yeah. Best thing you could have ever done. Right. To prepare. (laughs) prepare (laughs) Right. I'm not not laughing. Do some coke with your doctor. I mean, it's. What were y'all thinking? It's ridiculous. Yeah. I just can't. (sighs) Then he subsequently admitted the cocaine claim was untrue. He was upset that Dunch refused to check on him. He refuses to check on all his patients, apparently. I think even after, like, just that claim of that, you know, they were doing that, he should have got a drug test. That should have. He has a lot of complicated feelings because this was his best friend who did this, and it changed his life profoundly. And in February 2021, he died from an infection related to complications connected to that very surgery one decade prior. Wow, that's so sad. Your best friend killed you. Well, I don't know if it's your best. Yeah. Well, it was. Mind. Yeah. Your best friend killed you. Mm-hmm. I kill you, Val. What's up with these people killing their best friends? <laughs> oh, that's right. That's not what friends are for. No. Don't kill your friends. No, don't kill your friends. <laughs> don't kill anybody. Yeah. But especially not your friends. Yeah. <laughs> Following his blunders, Baylor Plano officials found that Dunch failed to meet their standards of care and permanently revoked his surgical privileges. How long did it take them? Jeez. Right. The hospital initiated another peer review, but Dunch resigned rather than face certain termination. I mean, okay. Mm-hmm. To avoid the costs of fighting and possibly losing a wrongful termination suit, hospital officials reached a deal with Dunch's lawyers in which Dunch was allowed to resign in return for 
Baylor Plano issuing a letter stating that there were no issues with him. Mm. What? Mm-hmm. I'm never going to this hospital. <laughs> like, remind me mm-hmm. never to go there. I cannot believe that. Had Dunch been fired, Baylor Plano would have been required to report him to the National Practitioner Data Bank, which is intended to flag problematic physicians. There's your physician. What is it? Yeah, the um, you know their their records. Yeah, the yeah, record. it was on their record. <laughs> he was then brought on board to the Dallas Medical Center, where he continued his carnage. No. <laughs> However, red flags surfaced early on as nurses wondered if Dunch was under the influence of drugs while on duty. For instance, he came to work wearing the same tattered scrubs for three days in a row. That would be a red flag, especially mm-hmm. when you're supposed to be in a sterile environment. Yes. Nasty. Like, I'm sure there's probably a droplet of bu- blood here and there on him, so you could tell if that's the yeah. same. No, that was the same blood stain from yesterday. <laughs> yes. No, that's from three days ago. <laughs> Remember, I know who's, what patient that's right. from. <laughs> uh-uh, no, sir. Ooh. His very first operation at the hospital would once again turn deadly. Floella Brown, remember her? Mm-hmm. Well, she went under his knife in July 2012. Dunch had severed Brown's vertebral artery and refused to abort despite the massive blood loss. He then packed it with too much of a substance intended to stop the bleeding. She suffered a stroke as a result. Dunch did not respond to messages from the hospital for a few hours, then the next day scheduled an elective surgery on Eford rather than care for Brown. Wow. Hospital officials were exasperated when Dunch refused to delay Eford's surgery and asked him multiple times to care for Brown or transfer her out of his care. I thought, like, the chief medical officer or whatever, you know, the higher up can transfer people like that like why do they have to why do they need him to i know i feel i thought that they can step in and say yeah we're transferring this patient from you yeah Uh, you see it on tv all the time you're off this case (laughs) you know well tv (laughs) (laughs) well yeah that's true but still (laughs) (laughs) but why does he never want to care for his patients afterward probably because he knows he messed them up yeah he wants them to die yeah, you don't want to see him alive. Yeah, you don't want to fix him. <laughs> Dang. I don't know. Dunch suggested drilling a hole in Brown's head to relieve the pressure, but was refused permission. Wow. Not only was he not qualified and held no privileges to perform brain surgery, but Dallas Medical did not have the proper equipment or personnel for such an operation. Brown was left in a coma for hours before Dunch finally agreed to transfer her. By this time, however, Brown was brain dead, who then suffered a stroke and died. So he's over here trying to drill holes in brains yeah. or heads. <laughs> so so he's no longer a spine surgeon at this point. He's, he's converting himself to a brain surgeon. <laughs> like, what? Y'all don't even... What? <laughs> so he's done probably like 130 surgeries, give or take, at this point. So that's enough for brain surgery. Yeah, that's enough. I got this. That's what? I've dissected, you know, about 100 <laughs> insects. Can I go? <laughs> like, how can you just go to brain surgery? Makes no sense. You ain't even qualified, man. Mm-hmm. The day that Brown suffered her stroke, Dunch operated again. 
This time on 53-year-old Mary Eford, she came in to have two vertebrae fused, but when she woke up, she experienced severe pain and couldn't stand. A CT scan would later reveal that Eford's nerve root had been amputated, and there were several screw holes nowhere near where they were supposed to be, and one screw had been lodged in another new nerve root. <laughs> the pain. Yeah. He failed to remove the disc he was supposed to remove and left surgical hardware in her muscle tissue so loose that it had moved when it touched. Nasty. When it touched. <laughs> Ugh. Despite several warnings from his colleagues that he wasn't doing the surgery correctly and was attempting to put screws into muscles rather than bone, Dutch persisted. Eford was left paralyzed. She later recalled waking up feeling excruciating pain, a 10 plus on a scale of 1 to 10. Several people who were in the operating room for Eford's surgery suspected that Dunch might have been intoxicated, recalling that his pupils were dilated. Longtime spine surgeon Robert Henderson performed the salvage surgery on Eford. When Henderson saw the images from Dunch's surgery, he was certain that there would be legal action and had the salvage surgery recorded. Wow. It's about time somebody did something. Mm -hmm. He likened what he found when he opened Eford up to the results of a child playing with tinker toys or an erector set. So Henderson described Dunch's surgery as an assault and concluded that Eford would have been bedridden had the salvage surgery not been performed. Dang. I'm glad he didn't do the revision or whatever. For real. She would have been dead. Yeah. Henderson later recalled wondering if Dunch was an imposter. He could not believe that a real surgeon would botch Eford's surgery so badly. He felt that anyone with a basic knowledge of human anatomy would know that he was operating in the wrong area of Eford's back. Henderson sent Dunch's picture to the University of Tennessee to determine whether he actually had a degree from that institution and received confirmation that Dunch, in fact, did. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just... How? Right. <laughs> How? Why did you give him one? What? Right. He called Dunch's fellowship supervisor in Memphis, as well as a supervisor of Dunch's residency. It was, it was then that he learned about the incident that led him to be referred to the impaired physician program. Despite both of his surgeries at Dallas Medical Center going catastrophically awry, hospital officials did not report him to the MPDB. At the time, hospitals were not required to report doctors who only had temporary privileges. What? I feel like they should just be reporting whoever yeah. does wrong. Yeah. At any time. <laughs> Regardless if they're temporary, they're mm -hmm. still messing with real-life human yeah. beings. Like, come on. Excuse me. We want to know. Mm-hmm. Dr. Death was fired before the end of his first week for the damage he'd inflicted on Brown and Eford. Get him out of there. Mm -hmm. Kirby wrote a detailed complaint to the Texas Medical Board calling Dunch a sociopath who was a clear and present danger to the citizens of Texas. Under heavy lobbying from Kirby and Henderson, the Texas Medical Board suspended Dunch's license on June 26, 2013. That's my birthday! <laughs> <laughs> we had a story that was like your birthday. Waco! It was a Waco siege. Something happened on your birthday. In the last episode, too. Well, not last. The Silent Hill one. That's right. Some people were hung. Oh, shit! <laughs> <laughs> hmm. 
Yeah. Then they revoked his license on December 6, 2013. So almost six months later, yeah. they completely revoked his license. About time. Mm-hmm. Dunch moved to Denver, Colorado and went into a downward spiral. He declared bankruptcy after listing debts of over $1 million. <laughs> Golly. He was arrested for a DUI in Denver, taken for a psychiatric evaluation in Dallas during one of his visits to see his children, and was arrested in Dallas for shoplifting. He's a great guy, ladies. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -mm. <laughs> what a catch. <laughs> mm -hmm. After interviewing dozens of Dunch's patients and their survivors, prosecutors concluded that Dunch's actions were indeed criminal. Yes, they were. Mm -hmm. And nothing short of imprisonment would prevent him from practicing medicine again. Yep. Agreed. As part of their investigation, prosecutors obtained a December 2011 email in which Dunch boasted that he was, quote unquote, he's ready to leave the love and kindness and goodness and patience that I mix with everything else that I am and become a cold-blooded killer. Wow. He said that <laughs> in an email. Mm -hmm. Michelle Sugar, who led the prosecution of Dunge, later recalled that Henderson, Kirby, and Lazar reached out to her demanding to testify against Dunge. According to Sugar, doctors almost never testify against each other. Y'all need to break that code and testify against yeah, each for other. for real. If you see something, say something. Exactly. Due to the valiant efforts of Dr. Robert Henderson, Dr. Randall Kirby, and Michelle Sugar, Dunch was arrested in 2015 and charged with six felony counts of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, five counts of aggravated assault causing serious bodily injury, and one count of injury to an elderly person, his patient, Mary Eford. The indictments were made four months before the statute of limitations were to run out. Wow. They cut it close. <laughs> yeah, they were. <laughs> sure were. Man, I'm glad he was got. Yeah, but he wasn't convicted of... Um... Or he wasn't he wasn't charged with like murder. Yeah, um, I think the only person they were able to get him was for Mary, mm. but because she was like an older, yeah, injury to an older person, elderly. Mm. But I don't know why not the other ones. Like he killed his friend. Well, he was wasn't killed. Well, but. He, his friend died. He died from, as a result of surgery. So he might as well just have killed him. He killed his friend. <laughs> he signed his death sentence when he sewed up his yes, last stitch. Exactly. That should be um like intent or something. Yeah. Oh, something. What, what was he trying with? <laughs> aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Five counts of aggravated assault. Serious, but no, he should have been like premeditated murder. Yeah. Because that shit was on purpose. Mary's botched surgery was one of several in Christopher's record. Though many were passed off as accidents, these mistakes were never events and should not ever happen in someone's entire career. As a result, one patient died from a massive blood loss. A dissection of an esophagus led to significant blood loss in one patient. He damaged patient Philip Mayfield's spinal cord, drilling into it and leaving him partially paralyzed from the neck down. After ongoing physical rehab, Mayfield was able to walk with a cane but continued to experience paralysis on the right side of his body and in his left arm. He also reported shooting pains throughout his body. 
While attempting to remove degenerated disc in Marshall Tech's Muse's back, Dunch left surgical hardware floating between the spine and muscle tissue. Muse woke up in considerable pain, but Dunch convinced him it was normal. He then prescribed Muse so much Percocet that a pharmacist refused to fill the prescription. <laughs> wow. Wow. What an idiot. <laughs> Muse spiraled into an opioid addiction that cost him his wife and his job. He later recalled that he read about Martin's death the day before the surgery, but Dunch cursed him out when he, when he called to ask about it. While operating on Jacqueline Troy, Dunch cut one of her vocal cords in an artery as well as damaging her trachea. Troy was left barely able to speak above a whisper, had to be sedated for weeks, and had to be fed through a feeding tube for some time as food was getting into her lungs. God. Is he, like, blind? Like, that's the only thing? He's careless. I can I think mean, of him just going, like... <laughs> oh, yeah, closing his eyes. And he just, just closing his eyes. I'm just gonna cut yeah. you. Snip here. Snip here, snip there. Put a little screw right there. <laughs> <laughs> Drill some holes, you know. Mm-mm. What are you doing? Careless. He severely maimed Jeff Glidewell after mistaking part of his neck muscle for a tumor during a routine cervical fusion. (laughs) Sir, do you not know your muscles? But the thing is, he went in for cervical fusion. Why are you trying to cut off a tumor in a cervical fusion? Like, from history, from what I know about medical stuff, and that's not a lot, but... If you see a tumor, you got to consult. Mm-hmm. You can't like, just be taking out just people's pause. tumors. <laughs> I mean. You need some consent. What? <laughs> yeah, like go tell the family, you know, do you give me consent to take it? No. Well, we already know he's. How come just... no one. There's. Because there's several people in the room. How come mm-hmm. no one's like, that's not a tumor, bro. What? You taking out my neck muscle? Golly. <laughs> I need that. Man. Part of his neck muscle. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he severed one of his vocal cords, cutting a hole in his esophagus and slicing an artery. He's doing the most. Golly. <laughs> Dunch stuffed a surgical sponge in Glidewell's throat to staunch the bleeding. However, he closed Glidewell with the sponge in place, despite others in the operating room warning him about it. What the hell? And he says, screw y'all. <laughs> He's getting oh. the sponge. <laughs> What? Wow. The sponge triggered a severe bloodborne infection that caused Glidewell to become septic. That's what I thought. <laughs> when other doctors discovered the sponge, Dunch refused to help remove it. After several days, Kirby was brought in to repair the damage and later described what he found after opening Glidewell back up as the work of a crazed maniac. Wow. He later told Glidewell that it was clear Dunch had tried to kill him. Glidewell was left with only one vocal cord, permanent damage to his esophagus, and partial paralysis on his left side. Kirby claimed that it looked as if Dunch had tried to decapitate Glidewell and contended that such a botched surgery has not happened in the United States of America before. Wow. You were really trying to kill this dude. Yeah. Holy crap. Glidewell was reportedly still suffering. The ill effects of Dunch's operations years later and has undergone more than 50 procedures to correct the damage. Wow. At one point, he was only able to eat small bites of food at one time. He proved to be Dunch's last surgery. 
It's about time. That sucks. That you're the last one, though. <laughs> Should have been, like, the 50 ahead of you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he was held in the Dallas County Jail for almost two years until the case went to trial in 2017. By this time, Dunch was almost penniless, and the judge had to appoint a lawyer for him. His outcomes were so poor, so beyond the accepted standard of care, that a grand jury indicted him on five counts of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, as well as a single count of harming an elderly patient. The deadly weapons were his hands and surgical tools. Over objections from Dunch's lawyers, prosecutors called many of Dunch's other patients to the stand in order to prove that his actions were intentional. According to his lawyers, Dunch had not realized how poorly he had performed as a surgeon until he heard the prosecution experts tell the jury about his many blunders on the operating table. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like you didn't know what you were doing, drilling right. holes into random places and exactly. severing arteries, trying to cut somebody's head off. Oh my god. Operating in the wrong spot on, yeah. the, on the back? Like, what? Many times. Many times. Can't. I can't. Dunch's defense blamed their client's actions on poor training and lack of oversight by the hospitals. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, no. I, I, no. Mm -mm. Michelle Sugar countered that the 2011 email sent after his first surgeries went wrong proved that Dunch knew his actions were intentional. <laughs> I forgot about that. Cold-blooded killer. Yep. Straight up. Mm-hmm. After 13 days of trial, the jury needed only four hours to convict him for the maiming of Eford. On February 20th, 2017, he was sentenced to life in prison. Took him way too long to get yes. this, but at least he's there, right? Christopher is currently incarcerated at OB Ellis Unit of the Texas Department of Criminal Justice in Huntsville and will not be eligible for parole until he's 74 years old in 2045. He shouldn't be eligible for parole. Keep this man behind bars. Yeah. He's going to be 74 years and try to go back to in surgery. He's, he's got it. Uh, we call it revoked. He better not. Yeah, I mean, he might try to do some botched surgery. Some black market surgery. Yeah. <laughs> like hotels. Yeah. He might. They do that with like injections and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Have you, have you heard of the people who like did that, the black market, and then they found out that they were truly putting cement in their butt. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. If y'all want a story about that, let me know. <laughs> let us know. They have all kinds of like those, like, putting silicone in people and stuff, mm -hmm. and stupid He could. Yeah. At 75, 74 years old, I mean, he, he could. He likes torturing people, so. Mm -hmm. I feel like this, um, I think, I could be wrong about this, but I feel like I've heard this place in Huntsville that he's at, or any of them in Huntsville, that it's pretty hard places. Hmm. Like, tough. So maybe he's learning his lesson. Well, maybe he won't get paroled. Yeah, maybe. 74 years old, you're still able to do things. Yeah, that's true. Someone, uh, someone chop off his hands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something. He's probably in, in there doing surgeries on people. Mm, probably. <laughs> like, I got shanked. You got to sew me up. <laughs> He's going to shove a little uh, plastic spoon in there. Yes. And sew him up. <laughs> Put a little dirty towel. Play an operation in prison. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. One of those little dirty towels. So yeah. Stop the bleeding. We need a towel in there. That's so messed up. Mm. Well, that's today's story. Mm-hmm. So, what'd y'all think about it? 
It's crazy. Have you heard this story before? You know? Right here in our little state. Yeah. <laughs> in our home state. Mm-hmm. Well, we got a lot of crazy stories in Texas. So. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of crazy stories everywhere, but these are... Texas. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're a big state, so... Yeah. That's true. <laughs> All right. Well, let us know what you thought about that episode. So, we'll move on to our question. It's quite an interesting one from one of oh, our no. listeners. <laughs> So, you know, this is blinking. Mm-hmm. This is winking. Yeah. What do aliens do if they only have one eye? Do they blink or do they wink? Hmm. <laughs> Maybe it's how they look at you, you know? Oh. I'm just, like, looking at you like this. It's a blink. But if I'm like, you know, you gotta put your little neck into it. <laughs> That's a wink. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, like, if I only had one eye, mm-hmm. I go. <laughs> That's a wink. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's too funny. That was is that your answer? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a good answer. Mine is that they do both. It's At called a time. wink. Oh, a wink. <laughs> I like it because it's like. Blinking is like with two. Mm-hmm. Winking is one, which also led me to think: How did they come up with wink? I wonder if wink was discovered before we had written words, and they knew that, or they didn't know the difference between an O sound and a W sound. One, <laughs> one, you know, one wink. They both have that w yeah. sound. So I was like. That's how you come up with the word wink, because it's only one. Maybe. So that's why it could just be wink. They don't yeah. blink, because blink is with two. But it's blink. <laughs> I like blink. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting, huh? Mm-hmm. This is definitely a thought for you guys to let us know. We like some fun questions. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. Thanks for that suggestion. Mm-hmm. So what do you think? Do they blink? Do they wink? Do they do both? Do they boink? They boink. (laughs) Do you have a better word for it? (laughs) And also let us know what you thought about today's topic. I know I already said that, but, you know, let us know what you thought about the story and leave a comment down below. Did he get enough time? You know, that was uh, life in prison, which, but but eligible for parole. Do you think he should have been eligible? I don't. I don't think he should have been eligible. That's too many people with. He's still able-bodied at 74. mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. So don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe to our channels, and be sure to turn on notifications so that you don't miss when we upload, which is every Tuesday. If you'd like to send us topics that you'd want us to cover or send us a question you'd like for us to answer, leave a comment down below for our YouTube listeners or head to our Facebook page where you can send us a message. And podcast listeners, please rate us, okay? We would love that. Mm-hmm. So... That is it for today, and as always, stay Stay curious. curious. Muse spiraled into opioid... Uh... Muse (laughs) spiraled... We got this, I got this! Muse spiraled into an opioid. <laughs> I was totally going off memory, so I lost my spot.
Mew spiraled into opioid. (laughs) (laughs) Mew spiraled into opioid. (laughs) Say this word. (laughs) Opioid. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Sounds weird. Okay. Mew spiraled into opioid addiction. (laughs) Mew spiraled into opioid (laughs) addiction. Mew spiraled into opioid. 